0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with, always...
1: Typical Lydia.
0: Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2012... Clown killer classic, Stitches. Everybody happy?
1: Oh, perfect. That is a perfect intro, and that is not used enough. I loved it at the beginning because it was very much like Shakes the Clown. And you know I love clown horror. I love clown not horror, too. I love clown everything. And Shakes the Clown is exactly what I wish every clown movie had at its core. A real clown society a clown community clowns mm-hmm. being clowns in their souls and 100 percent of the time and when they are doing their clown bit quote-unquote for the children or whoever it's just a chore it's no different mm-hmm. than you or i going to work and i really like that spin and the everybody happy quip or like soundbite mm-hmm. or what is that his catchphrase
0: He would need to say it one more time for it to be an official catchphrase, I feel like. Although they did button the movie with it, so there's that.
1: And I think that's the tactic they were going for, and it worked in that sense, in that I waited and waited and waited for him to say it one more time. But I wish they would have peppered in a few more of them. I really did. Mm -hmm. But I love Stitches as, like, the character. The movie, yes, but I love the character Stitches.
0: He is a very um, cartoonish aside from being a clown cartoonishly over the top stylized stylish type slasher character he's he's he kind of has the um the slick sensibilities of uh of a victor crowley or um i was gonna say like some of the some of the more modern slasher well i mean hatchet is modern but or more modern but uh i was i was like chrome skull Nah, chrome skull is too boring like as a killer in his mannerisms. But let me just, he's got a flair. He's got like a flair. It's kind of like if you're getting killed by Jim Carrey in The Mask.
1: Yep, it does remind me of quite a bit of Jim Carrey. Chris had mentioned Freddy Krueger, that they were really having this Freddy Krueger vibe with the one-liners and just the way that he mm-hmm. would appear, his supernatural abilities or seemingly supernatural at times that are as clown magic. I guess it's clown magic, isn't it, Wes?
0: It is <laughs> <laughs> it's clown magic. Because um, he. the funny thing is is when you get a sense... Uh, when this movie begins, you have uh, a character who looks like it kind of hurts just getting out of bed. You kind of have like this degenerate, dirtbag, punk rock guy who just happens to be a clown. But then by the time he comes back, this, yeah, Freddy Krueger, Quippy... It seems that now he's really enjoying himself. He's really into being a killer clown more so than he was being a birthday party clown.
1: I guess he found his calling and maybe death became him. This is an official plug now for Death Becomes Her Jewelry by Ruth Knipe. So if you're interested, you can check out our social medias for Death Becomes Her Jewelry. Hell yeah. And our model here, West today.
0: I am a model of my uh, my, my wonderful mum's uh, bracelets, which I love to wear um, a lot. This film... I had heard of sort of I remember like when I saw it on Shudder I'd seen it before you had mentioned that we should do it Mm -hmm. and when I saw the thumbnail I was like oh stitches yeah I've heard of that movie but I couldn't remember if I had heard of it from you but you reminded me that this was a request from years ago.
1: Yep. Literally, this is how long it takes us to get to requests, folks, unless it's Thomas, because we usually jump on his request because he's Thomas. Yeah. But this request came in before I was married.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's been and you're coming up on an anniversary soon. So like, it's been a while.
1: I lived in a whole different house when this request came in. I don't remember who it came in from.
0: I don't fucking remember. And honestly, if you had told me, that you had just come across this movie the other day and you're like, yeah, let's do this. I would have absolutely believed you because I have no recollection of this whatsoever.
1: That's believable because it's been some time and we had been doing clown movies. It was, I think, around the time of Clown Palooza, or after or before it. And maybe this is what had given us the idea of doing a bunch of clown movies, but we never did get to Stitches and it was something that I wanted to get to. And then it fell off my radar entirely until it ended up on Shutter. So I'm really glad that it did. Now, this movie, I wish I would have watched before, just because it's been that missing puzzle piece in all the clown movies. It fills in that space between Shakes the Clown and Captain Spaulding somehow that and Clown, because in, in Clown, he's a very reluctant uh, clown. Of course, it's the werewolf movie um, that isn't a werewolf movie. So it's somebody who has been cursed and is reluctantly in the guise of this killer clown. And take that sort of look of a very decrepit, undead-ish and scary clown that's shot so very well. And then mix it with like this uh, kind of meatballs sort of comedy that you get out of <laughs> Shakes the Clown. With the crassness of Captain Spaulding, that you're going to talk about shit and piss and puke and banging and fucking chicks and tits and all that stuff, so you're going to get that fun, really crude humor, and it's Irish, so it's doubly crude.
0: More like Dublin crude.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, you would make a great clown, sir.
0: <laughs> I'm too big. Like I feel like if if children, I'm huge to other adults i only imagine i look like the the elephants from lord of the rings to children so uh I, I complete with the wooliness but i i don't know like i feel like i would terrify children
1: i've often likened you to an ent so the lord of the rings reference is, is appropriate <laughs> this has some sort of mysticism to it as well so it really does It is that missing puzzle piece in my clown apalooza of beloved clown horror films. And it bridges that horror and comedy thing in a way that I really like. So, yeah, I really love this. So thank you to whoever the hell had requested it because I'm glad it stuck in my noggin that way.
0: I remember when I was watching this film, I think the way that I could best describe it is um, you have this clown Illuminati this clown cult but Illuminati is a little bit more fitting but if if clown full stop is the clown werewolf movie Stitches this is the clown cult movie
1: Yep, definitely this cabal of clowns and and you would just imagine that like masons or something they operate in other territories and the vast amount of the representations of the clowns that exist within this cult uh, it is either they're immortal or something like shrine clowns. It remind me so much of shrine clowns in that way, in that there is some sort of mysticism underneath the clown exterior that we all see. So they have like the secret meeting place and these secret clown rites and stuff like that. But when you see the representation of those rites, it is so much bigger than the five or six fucking clowns that are there. Or the two clowns that you see in the yellow pages of the phone book, if you still have a phone book.
0: (laughs) That was uh, pretty striking to me, just this notion of having birthday party clowns. Because I remember when I was a kid, it would never even occur to me. In fact, I might have been mortified if there was a clown at one of my birthday parties because I would feel as though I needed to... I I didn't like birthday parties as a kid because I didn't really like being the center of attention and i know that's counterintuitive to how i behave but i i I really i didn't like being center of attention if i was not in control of that attention so if i was doing jokes and puns and and waka 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 here's wes i'm fine with that because i'm controlling it but when someone says oh wes go sit there while this clown just keeps asking you is it your little is it your birthday little boy and do you want me to do shit for you i'd be like i don't like this everyone's watching do i how do i act like i appreciate this enough so no parent is thinks they wasted their money but fuck all that lids what is this movie about even anyways
1: you know, I never really thought about what this movie is really about anyways. I ought to think of this. We've had this conversation before where I ought to think of these things before.
0: This is what happens. I'm going to answer my own question. This is what happens when you have birthday parties and you or your parents invite people who are not really your friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because the whole time I was watching this film, I got the sense that when they were all children, they were only hanging out because they all went in the same class and someone's parents said, aren't you going to invite your little friends? And since no one likes each other and they're all a bunch of fucking little punks, uh, they're getting, they're amusing themselves the only way they know how, which is bullying an adult man until he falls into a dishwasher head first and impales his weird clown head on a very big Michael Myers knife. And then he does it again.
1: I really like the setup of all of that because it is like the mom's just a harried mom and she's trying to have this birthday party for whatever reason. It doesn't seem the kid really wants it to be a birthday party because, yeah, none of these kids really know one another. And if there is any like moral to the beginning of this story, it's like, don't be a dick. These kids are dicks. These kids are horrible, off the hook dicks. They're dicks to this clown, they're dicks to one another, they're they're horrible, horrible children that need mm. some supervision. But what is their supervision doing? Leaving a knife in the dishwasher with the blade pointing up. That's what she's doing.
0: <laughs> um, it's pretty funny. Uh old stitches doesn't want to be there in the first place. He's he had to stop getting laid long enough to uh to like go and do this children's birthday party. And when he eventually dies because a, a young Vinny is going to tie his shoelaces together and he's going to trip and everyone has their own little thing. Like everyone gives the the clown a hard time with his attempted ventriloquist dummy, with his, with uh, his balloon animals. You know, they want dinosaurs. He doesn't know how to make dinosaurs. You know, people just start throwing shit at him, saying mean shit, doing all this kind of crap. And so already it's like not a very good time. And and by the way, he gets murdered or not murdered. I suppose the death is accidental. You could probably argue manslaughter, probably manslaughter. Yep. Although I would say the finishing blow. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, I am not a doctor. I'm not. I'm going to put I have no medical license whatsoever. But if you have a large butcher knife in your head, don't pull it out. Leave the knife in. Let the doctors do that go to the hospital if you there stranger things have happened people have gotten huge implements into their brains and survived
1: yep trees rebar
0: as long as you don't pull it out and then try to for revenge against a nine-year-old uh try to kill him and then slip on your own blood and then the knife goes right into his brain this movie is bloody as fuck
1: yeah and i didn't expect that and it's not because it's a clown movie i've definitely been proven that clown movies can be terrifying uh nod to terrifier which is basically a clown fucking movie and is so gory that i only recommend it kind of sparingly because it Mm -hmm. is basically an extreme horror film at at its at its root at its core uh especially because of the bisection like it is very visceral very gory so and terrifying like they really do it is terrifying Um uh, stitches because it is funny i didn't necessarily expect the level of gore but all of the blood in this is very off the hook and it almost hits like anime levels of, of blood spurtage and mm-hmm. i like that and the um Practical effects are done fairly well.
0: Yeah, um, the level of blood and gore is you're, you're getting into that hatchet territory. You're getting into um, Evil Dead. That is the type of, particularly when you have a, a little child screaming while he gets doused in blood from Stitch's head. Uh, that is straight out of fucking Evil Dead, as far as I'm concerned. Like that's—that Those are the kinds of films that they were easily inspired by um what i'm pretty impressed by with this film is the fact that they seem to save a lot of their budget for the practical and special effects that they're going to need throughout the film While at the same time not spending a whole heck of a lot of money on locations and stuff like that you can tell very easily that this was just shot in someone's house and then in and around a neighborhood Uh, they probably had sequences in a treehouse because the treehouse was already there. Um, that type of stuff, just, uh, it's a really good example of how a movie is not, they're not spending a heck of a lot of money on most aspects of the film, but the where they're using their money is where the, the parts of the film that people are going to talk about the most. Because I'm going to be honest with you, Lids. I found the first chunk of this movie, like, Not poorly acted and not poorly shot, but just I can't believe that I'm spending so much time with these teens because there is a time jump. Mm -hmm. Six years later, all the kids from that birthday party are now grown up. Tommy has uh, grown up and he's got severe PTSD from this clown. He's like seeing murderous clowns. He's seeing blood. He's seeing gore. And you could tell that this is a regular occurrence but there's so many long scenes. There's like long scenes with no dialogue. There's like long scenes at this party, the party that I, I get it. Like that's a whole aspect of the film, but it really reminded me of the party in Blood Widow. Like it just won't stop. Like we're spending way too much time with like the party aspect and not enough time with like the clown killing. Cause this movie, by the way, is only um, 86 minutes long. And ev- all all the major deaths occur In the last 30 minutes, really.
1: Maybe even 20 minutes and the real payoff because we get glimpses of the larger story, which is this clown cult that we alluded to. And in the beginning, like some of the very few locations that they film at are in the first say 20 minutes or so so it feels like it was going to move along a lot quicker maybe even the first 10 minutes because we have the trailer that stitches originally lived in when he was living and his like hooker girlfriend or whatever and she alludes to this egg that he has in a little glass dome sort of like those anniversary clocks or if you have um memorabilia or the sort of glass dome that you would have over your la machande box your lament configuration if you will (laughs) that sort of thing he's got like a fucking egg with a clown face painted on it in that and so the trailer is one section his drive in his little weird ass clown car that looks like a bondo buggy pizza delivery vehicle if anything blasting fucking loud punk rock music the school where Tommy has his visions of his teacher morphing into a clown and ripping off someone's nutsack in a very gory scene. And then to the house where we basically spend the rest of the movie. And meeting the kids as they get old has a little bit of interest to it. Sure. I thought it was interesting to see the flashback to the party when you first met these kids and the horrible things they did or said, and then how they've aged 10 years later as teens especially Bulger, which I really enjoyed. He is fabulous and he is the bigger uh, comedy relief throughout this film and someone that we can actually relate to more so than Tommy, who we can all kind of relate to, to a certain degree, or at least have sympathy for with his very uh, progressed post-traumatic stress disorder with a mother who seems to be very understanding, but also leaves him alone a lot into his own devices and his medications. Mm -hmm so she's sort of relying on all of those things for him to hold it together which he's fucking not he is definitely suffering deeply so when all of his friends decide to have a party you know it's going to be a bad idea it's going to be a bad idea uh, socially for him psychologically for him all of these things are bad and we all know that a 10-year anniversary of anything is bad in a horror film stitches is definitely going to come back we just know it so we're like sort of primed for stitches coming back tommy having his second wind maybe socially or psychologically or what have you, patching things up with Kate, his love interest. And we know that we're going to get more about this, this cult or the reason why the clowns gather in the graveyard, Mm -hmm. because maybe that's the other setting that we missed out on here is the graveyard because Tommy does spy on Stitch's funeral when he was a little boy, when he's 10 years old after the horrible incident at his birthday party where Stitches died, he uses his telescope to spy on the clown funeral and he sees some weird goings on.
0: Mm -hmm. He actually heads all the way down there. The thing that I like about this aspect of the film is it really will set up something that uh, will help Tommy out later fairly efficiently so you don't need to have him as a young adult trying to figure out this clown's Achilles heel, as it were. But it also, I was trying to imagine what that would be like as a little kid, is you're spying on this weird clown funeral, and then you go there, and there's just six or seven old-timey-looking clowns cackling and laughing at you, and and you've gone under into this crypt with a bunch of eggs and an old clown statue. And I was it comes off as a fever dream, like something like that they would be uh, like they're in the tunnels of Dr. Satan or something like that. Um, And I wonder if, you know, he would grow up and wonder, did I dream that? Was that even real? Uh, You know, after all those years, it would be hard to sort of keep your head straight, particularly if you're having vivid um, hallucinations about clowns and murderers and scary shit like that. But I did like that aspect of the story, and it was something I didn't really see coming. I thought when I'd read the description of the film, it would just be a bit more like uh, an EC Comics issue, where they don't really explain why somebody comes back to life, but just revenge—just you, you killed, you, you killed somebody, and then they come back, and and then they kill you as a rotten corpse or something like that. But no, Stitches comes back, clown magic, and immediately start stalking older Tommy and his friends who are having a party. Thankfully, all this is happening in in Dublin style, just within a stone's throw of each other. It's such a small Ireland, is such a small place. And he like Tommy lives here, the graveyard's here, Kate lives there. I bet you it takes 15 minutes to walk to the high school. That's the type of shit we're dealing with.
1: Yeah, he definitely bikes to the school and always has. So it's Mm -hmm. like super close and very convenient for us because you can actually not only a stone store, you can see these things through a crummy little telescope. (laughs) So super handy for spying and for storytelling. The thing, though, like you said, we do spend a lot of time with just these teens and just talking and boring which is surprising because as we've described it, there's like lots of moving parts. There's lots of backstory. There's lots of interesting things going on in this movie. But then in the high school and leading up to the party and the party scene, it is a lot like blood widow where it's just like, Oh my God, get on with this. Are we going to have these 10 kids at this party? Is that what this is going to be? Luckily it turns into a bit of a house wrecker. It does. Yeah. Between that time that it evolves from them having a party, Probably almost accidentally because he mentions that he's going to have a birthday party with just a few of the boys. And mm-hmm. then it turns into like, it's announced on Facebook and everyone's coming to this house wrecker, basically. So, but in between that time, there is a lot of downtime where we could be dealing with more stalking clowns, more of the backstory, maybe not so much of him and Kate because there seems to be no him and Kate. Like, they shared a first mm-hmm. kiss at his birthday party sort of innocently on her behalf and he sort of hung on to this all of his life so there's not even really that story to go to instead we get a lot of boys schoolboy hijinks i guess there's there's
0: a part of this film where i honestly felt like i could be watching an irish version of like can't get enough of you baby or something like like jennifer love hewitt is gonna just start like going down the staircase or some shit like that I, I really got that sense of high school hijinks. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but you would definitely forget that there is, um, that this is a killer clown movie in some aspects. And also the, the, the jarring thing for me, and I know that a bunch of people are going to the party that don't necessarily even know why they're there. It's just a house party as far as they're concerned. It seems like there's people who are not only, like at the at the best don't really know Tommy. And then there's people who seem to actively dislike him that also went to the party. I can't imagine being so bored that if someone I didn't like in high school was having a party, I would show up and I would kind of it would be kind of understood that nobody wanted me there and just me and my skeevy boyfriend are going to show up. But it does give an opportunity for a bit of a red herring. Uh, right towards the midway part of the film when, I can't remember the young lady's name, but her boyfriend shows up as a fucking clown, like uh, like in Sleepy Hollow. It's like that.
1: Very similar. And this is a lot like his original birthday party, where you had said these kids don't seem to really like each other or know each other very well. Their parents just got them all together for this fucking birthday party. So this little bit of an asshole. And I forget if it is Paul or richie i don't remember which is which here as far as all the boys names even though they're introduced to us in sort of a save by the bell montage we should know their <laughs> fucking names but suffice it to say yeah one of them dresses up as a clown which is great because it fits with his character of this like kind of punk ass jerk of a kid from the original birthday party he's still exactly that punk ass jerk kid
0: i like that um None of the kids have grown at all. Like they're the exact whatever they were kind of about at the at the at this child's birthday party all those years ago. They're just that accentuated. Like this guy just eats. Remember he was eating ice cream at the party. Well, his whole thing is he eats, and everyone calls him fat. And I was like, is this European fat? Is this UK fat? That's not fat. Like what the fuck? Are you, like everyone's calling this kid fat, and I would not consider him overweight even a little bit
1: bulger i'd say that he is he's a mesomorph he's certainly not obese he I, i wouldn't even i wouldn't even want to say that he could lose some weight he looks fine and and happy and balanced and fit enough to go about his day you know whatever No, he's not fat by obese standards at all and Anyone can like food and it works in a character, whether you have a little extra pounds on you or not enough pounds on you. Ectomorphs that overeat is another trope used just as heavily. So I really like his character, though. It's his personality and his fashion sense and his one liners. That I just adore about that particular character. And it's Paul. Now that I look at Wikipedia. Thank you Wikipedia for setting me straight. Paul that is dressed as a clown. And he is a a skinny street tough punk. Who fits that particular character as well. They have that real cast of like Irish near-do-well sort of thing. Going on Mm -hmm. within all of these different teens. It's a really shitty save by the bell actually
0: (laughs) or stayed by the belles they were all poor yeah because i think poverty has a bit except for tommy tommy actually has a very nice his mother has a very nice house at the very least
1: yeah no he seems to be well off and that's part of the sort of abrasion between some of these kids like paul probably if you read between the lines his character dislikes tommy because of that rift economically And then the other boyfriend, the other skinny, tall guy who is not a punk by any means, it definitely comes from older money and has a lot more money than Tommy because he makes a lot of very posh, shitty, snide remarks. And you can see those like economic things, but they don't really play on them too heavily because all in all, it's like this, these kids are here to interject comedic one liners Mm -hmm. while or before they all get slaughtered by stitches yeah. who is stalking the property by this point he has come back and mm-hmm. he has like reborn out of his gravesite. i guess because it's a 10-year anniversary there's no real reason necessarily is it
0: um i don't think so either i think that it's probably you could get the sense that perhaps the clown illuminati did it they brought him back um they thought it was time for him to get his revenge, or perhaps in the spirit world he has to get his revenge. It has it probably has a lot to do with the egg with his makeup on it itself, um, but it's really hard to say. But what we do know for sure is once Stitches gets to the party and is done slinking around, the first person he ends up killing is his doppelganger. And I thought perhaps... He Paul would be spared because it would almost be, oh, a fellow clown, I'll let you live. Like, I thought it would be that mentality, but I don't know if Stitches would kill anybody, even someone who was an actual clown, or I don't know if he can sense, he's got clown senses, he can tell that you're not sworn in, as it were. uh But he fucking kills Paul, and this is where you get a sense that, like, okay, this clown not only is he back from the dead but he is more than what he seems this guy has super strength this guy um is very fast he like literally could rip you limb from limb which he does for paul
1: and it's also our initiation to how gory this is going to get we had some bollocks ripped asunder but we've also mm-hmm. had like some sort of cutaway scenes and we've had a knife through the eye and stuff and and blood spurting all over But not quite the let's tear it off and play with the set piece Mm -hmm. as we did with, with Paul. It was quite gory. And it gets worse from there too, which I really did like that way. We have the teen that likes to eat so much, Bulger, getting his brain scooped out as ice cream. And this is where it almost hits brain dead or dead alive levels of crazy gore. It's not quite as gory or bloody, of course, as one of the reigning kings of gore and physical fucking effects but it's get in there with this particular scene as bulger has tried to get a first aid kit for a minor scrape he's in the pantry and he discovers some uh preserved strawberries canned strawberries so it's a nice gory treat that he's just eating like gorging himself on these canned strawberries and then Stitches finds him in there with an ice cream scoop and decides to make up a little dessert, I suppose. But it is extremely gory and very, very well done. So it's just amping up to the next one we're expecting is going to be, I don't know, some sort of sick nurses or brain-dead level of gore.
0: The the ice cream scoop brains is where it was entering killer clowns from outer space territory to me, in which... Yep. It was the most clown themed death so far, because if you're talking about, oh, he ripped Paul limb from limb and then he uh, field gold kicked his head right off of his fucking shoulders and then the head went into the the lake, the nearby water. I was like, yeah, anybody could do that. Jason Voorhees could do that. But the second you have a guy using a can opener and then an ice cream scoop to put like spherical chunks of brain in a bowl, and then drip blood all over it like it's some kind of icing, or uh, or ice cream sauce, uh, fudge. Um, that's when you're in like killer clowns territory to me. That movie's not this gory at why by, by all means, but it's not only were they alien killer clowns, they were also killing you with clown things. <laughs> so it's all clown centric murders.
1: We're still going to get balloon animals somehow. So I'm glad that we get to clown centric murders, <laughs> even though at this point, I'm just I, I'm just in love with the idea of this possessed comeback from the dead clown stalking these teens, mm-hmm. especially because a lot of them aren't very likable. They're all in the same house and he just seems to be killing them. Whether they were mean to him or not, like he will basically kill anyone that's in his way, honestly. Mm -hmm. But he's focused on the ones that were cruel at the party. While our pal, Tommy, has had a little bit of a panic attack and has hightailed it to his safe space, which is basically his treehouse. And he's overlooking the party from a safe, quiet place where, you know, he's probably dealt with this for the last 10 years, you know, knowing that none of these kids are really good to be around whether he likes them or not or they like him or not doesn't even enter the equation it's best to just stay away from them and be on his own and come to terms with his own problems with his post-traumatic stress on his own in a quiet space so he is kind of removed from the scene at this time even though we know Ultimately, like any slasher story like this, it's based on revenge. That's where Stitches is going to gravitate. But for now, we have that distance, which is handy.
0: Yeah, he gets uh, his one-on-one moment with uh, Kate, who his it's his... I don't know if she's like... There's a whole conversation about whether or not she's emo from like a weird teacher with very weird hair. She's his uh, gloomy crush. He stares at her. He says innocently and only one time, with the telescope. But you know, I've been a perverted uh, teenager, a teenage boy. I know that he definitely looked at her more than once. I'm not saying he did anything, but he was still hoping that he could like, see some titty. Let's be real. He was just trying to see some titty. I think that um, the moment that they have together is pretty sweet. I, I kind of feel like when they kind of try to do this, this shit about um, crushes and like hooking up at a party and shit like that, reali- realizing that you know, they should be together and shit. That's when it mostly reminds me of teen comedies. That's the the height of what those fucking movies are about, right? Like that's the that would be the climax of a non-murder teen movie where there's a house party where you get to kiss the girl or you get to kiss the boy or whatever the fuck you want to kiss. Thankfully they don't spend too much time on this, and while all this romance is going on, because people are hooking up left, right, and center, you know, you got like the photographer kids hooking up with like somebody and, uh, you know, Vinny is hooking up with a (laughs) girl. The girl that he like ends up like hooking up with looks very similar to Paul's girlfriend to the point in which I was like, not entirely sure who was who. And that comes into play later when the next person to die, I literally thought was Tommy. I was like, wait, what? Like what? The balloon animal death? I thought, That was Tommy. I could not fucking tell those two boys apart.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Getting your your guts ripped out and turned into a balloon animal while you watch. That's great. That's a very clowny death. And they've sort of evened out the pace by this point in the film, too, because we've done with all those clunky bits. Getting ready for the party and decorating. Who gives a shit? Who's coming to the party? Who gives a shit? They could have really cut from at the school. Someone's posting it on Facebook to the the people showing up that he doesn't really know very well <laughs> you should you could cut that but of course like you said it's a really tight run time mm-hmm. of under 90 minutes and you don't want to really lose that 15 minute of, of clunky pacing mm-hmm. but the pacing at this point is not bad because we've established that stitches is just tearing his way through these kids one by one mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of time left really so he's gonna have to kill one or two more mm-hmm. girls now He's killed off most of the boys, except Tommy. And so he's going to turn his attention to the girls.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure only one girl gets killed. There's a person that Vinny was sleeping with that is just not in the bed anymore. But did she get a death scene? I don't think so. It's just she's not there anymore.
1: Someone gets knocked out and tossed aside on the other side of the bed. And so whether she dies or not, it's kind of like up for grabs.
0: Yeah, but I'll tell you, the the intestine balloon animal thing is cartoonish enough but then they go ahead and he literally puts his his inflator into the back of the guy's head and blows it up and this is when it becomes like itchy and scratchy
1: i thought that the effects were good here and this is the sort of thing that usually this is why i don't like comedy and horror being mixed usually because i want to be invested in that these are just funny people that happen to be in a horror movie mm-hmm. or they're finding gall- gallows humor in situations that's the sort of horror comedy i typically like but when it becomes foolish like this is usually where i pull back but by this point i'm in for a penny in for a pound as they say mm-hmm. and This head blowing up, especially when he's questioning what is going on with me or whatever he says. It's like, what are you doing? He doesn't quite understand how (laughs) fucking crazy and cartoonish his head is. It is very much itchy and scratchy.
0: That's what it reminded me of when I was watching it. I need to point out that when I was watching this film, I just had finished Thanksgiving dinner. It's Canadian Thanksgiving weekend, if if our listeners are curious. And uh, my family had just left. And I'm an introverted person. And so as much as I love my family and I had a good time, I'm very drained by the time everybody leaves and I need to like recharge my batteries. And I thought to myself, I'm so fucking tired. I'm so fucking tired. I'm just going to go to sleep and wake up early and then watch the movie and then do the show. And then, you know, my partner pointed out rightfully that I should not do that. I should watch the movie because I'm going to oversleep and then I'm not going to we're not going to be able to record today. And I was like, okay. So what I did was, is I took a, a wee trip to the convenience store and I grabbed like a bunch of like monsters <laughs> and I like sat, I sat there and I was like chugging like mango monster because uh, it's my favorite flavor that you introduced me it's to. Delicious. Um, It's so good. And I was sitting there drinking it and like, I was feeling like hyper, but exhausted at the same time. And I was like really trying to focus on the movie and I felt like delirious at some points. And I think that like when I was really at the height of my own, like manic madness, I was watching this guy's head like just expand and just become giant. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like this is stretches far beyond the lines of credulity. And, uh, and I, uh, but I, I I, was I was also very into it because I was like, it's so ridiculous. And I didn't know that the movie would go there. And they don't quite ever go this way again because one of the things that I think that that scene in particular does is demonstrate that it's not just stitches that seems to be able to bend physics around him, logical physics of uh, all that kind of stuff. It seems like this whole world has like a cartoonish level of damage that humans can take like like it's an episode of itchy and scratchy um and his head full on explodes and um i like when this guy's uh party hookup she comes across his body and you're just seeing like this whatever the fuck is left of him and i would just be wondering like in if this was a real life scenario and you came across someone who you were literally just making out with and you turn the corner and it looks as though they've been eaten by dogs and also their head exploded. What would you think fucking happened? Cause this girl has no context for what possibly could have happened. Right?
1: No, no, And, and the physics, like you say of this show, I guess that harkens back to the initial injury when stitches get mm-hmm. the first knife through the eye, right through his head. Mm-hmm. And he's, up and standing Mm -hmm. and sort of blubbering but he's surviving it a lot better than you'd think like 90 percent of people would so maybe that is Mm -hmm. absolutely normal that sort of like devastation happening to a person in this particular world or it's things that stitches touches because of clown magic that have this sort Mm -hmm. of like longevity because uh, that kid would have been dead way before or even bulger while he's getting yeah. his brains scooped out is at the beginning of it, somewhat coherent. Um, I think someone would have mm-hmm. passed out from shock or fright or whatever before that, but those things could be yeah. done. Like you can decapitate someone and punt their head into a pool in real life. If you so chose, you can scoop brains out sort of like they did and and make an ice cream parfait. You can probably tie up intestines into balloon animals you can like these things are all sort of possible, but yeah, the ex- mm. the expanding head, totally cartoonish. But we go from there to Tombs of the Blind Dead.
0: It was the chick that died next, correct?
1: Not Kate, but yeah, the uh, the mouthy chick.
0: What I kind of like about that is this also kind of demonstrates that Stitches is uh, not only is he back from the dead, but he's you know hardier than ever because you think that he's gonna get the drop on this girl, but she fights back by giving her him a heel in her in his neck which is quite good
1: i always do like some heel trauma whether it's a a high heel in the eye a high heel in the anything i i do enjoy some high heel trauma i think everybody does because we see it so rarely
0: yeah and and high heels um are so menacing on their own like I find like I, I find if I see somebody wearing heels, the higher the heel, the more threatening they look to me <laughs> where, I, where I think, oh man, like they have like knives on the bottom of their feet essentially they could like kill me with yeah, that
1: True stiletto but he gets back at her by um, plunging a, an umbrella into her head and this is another mm-hmm. kind of cartoonish thing that is not very realistic. On one hand but it's not quite as cartoonish as the uh inflated head either but it reminds me of i think it's in the anime other where someone else gets a umbrella through them and then it's opened and it explodes the body
0: yeah um that happens the the umbrella goes to the young lady's throat in another uh this one goes through the, the back of her eye I, I loved actually uh, of all the deaths, I actually thought this one was the prettiest in terms of the umbrella opening and then the blood just splattering everywhere. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the CGI? Did you think it was, do you think that it would have been better if they tried to not use it or did it not bother you or how are you feeling? It on didn't
1: it? bother me because they blended it so very well that, I mean, it's, I need the physical effects that they're using. They're using good camera work alongside it. So it's they're getting the sort of Raimi sort of feel to a lot of their shots. Mm-hmm. So blending the, the CG that they do in with it and using it as, as sparsely as they do. I while well, I think they do because I'm no expert as far as discerning one from the other all the time. But yeah, no, I loved it. I thought it was fine. It was really fine and called for when it was called for.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I always find it interesting, like like uh, when you're looking at CGI in 2012, even, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm always of two minds about it. I can never quite figure out if I would rather they didn't bother with the CGI because it always pulls me out of it. I suppose like in the grand scheme of things, it all looks fake, right? Whether it's practical or whether it's digital. And they were definitely going for a mood with these kills, particularly at this point. Uh, I wish that... Um uh, I guess I just wish that they used less of, like, lingering CGI shots. Yeah. Uh, there's there's one scene a little bit later with, like, bubbles where I was like, man, that does not look good. They probably could have just left that out. But, um, yeah, but uh, this is where in the plot where pretty much people are figuring out that something is definitely wrong. Like, speaking of Nightmare on Elm Street, there's a little bit of Freddy's revenge moment. In this, where Stitches breaks through the window and he delivers his catchphrase of, you know, Is everybody happy. Um, it's a little bit of like Freddie at the pool party, like, you're all my children now.
1: Very much so. I mean, and we've been waiting now at this point because the party's pretty big and the party's still going. It's not super duper loud. The, you should be having some body discovery by this point.
0: There's moments in this movie where I definitely thought, oh, did, is the party's got to be over? Like, there's no music playing. There's nobody around. And then you realize, oh, they're just in, like, a whole other section of the house where there's still, like, 20 kids here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that there's that. But I definitely thought they were doing that thing where... There was a lot, there was like, you know, 50, 60 people at this party, music bumping, everyone was having a good time. And then the next time you're in there, you have characters like stalking around with knives and you think the next person you're going to see is Stitches because there's nobody left alive in the house. And sure enough, um, nope, the whole party is still there. It's just, (laughs) we're just filming in such a way that it looked like the party was dead. Because at this point, Tommy, he's gotten Vinny on it. Vinny had hooked up with a lady and like narrowly escaped. Uh, you definitely thought uh, that Vinny was going to die because I just assumed he was going to die. I, I feel as though when you're watching a slasher type horror movie, you get in your mind, this is going to be a final boy movie. They definitely do that. But then you're like, mm, they're probably not going to kill Kate, but they're probably going to kill everybody mm-hmm. else. Uh, this movie like was really dark. They could do like what Blood Widow did and just like everyone gets fucking killed, definitely. which is very cool. I I don't mean to keep comparing this movie to Blood Widow, but there was just a lot that kind of reminded me of the in terms of the pacing and shit. No offense to Blood Widow. It's just, you know, if you saw Blood Widow, you get it. At this juncture, though, you have people trying to survive Stitches, and it seems like the house has been divided up because there's still people that are still having a party, but you'd never know that. It's almost (laughs) like they're taking place in two different houses.
1: And I'm sure there's people that still think he's Paul. That's the craziest thing.
0: Why is it that some people genuinely think that Stitches is Paul they don't look anything forget the fact that like the hair makeup and clothing are completely fucking different one is clearly a slightly overweight older gentleman (laughs) and another is a teenage boy why would you like okay so like Liz, if you dressed up like a clown And you were, like, trying to play a prank on me, like, look at me, Wes, I'm a clown. And I'd be like, oh, Lids, that's you. If some fucking dirty old man with, like, a 10 o'clock shadow and a fucking missing eye lumbered towards me, I wouldn't just be like, oh, Lydia, what are you doing here? Just take off that clown costume already. It's not the fucking same. At least in Halloween, it made sense that fucking pj souls didn't know who the fuck she was talking to because it was the same stupid like michael myers was trying to look like somebody else this like stitches is yeah. making no attempt to look like Paul.
1: and yet people are just not like, at all and they were dressed up as very different clowns very very different clowns <laughs> and body size and shape let alone voice i mean yeah all of these things It's definitely not Paul, even if at a distance.
0: This is clown racism. Ah, they all look alike to me. They're clowns. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Terrible. Terrible. (laughs) When we saw at the clown funeral, the different types of clowns Mm -hmm. that were represented, we're about to see uh, sort of representations of all of those clowns because Kate and Tommy have figured out with not too much of a library scene Mm -hmm. that they need to go to Tombs of the Blind Dead and figure out the weakness, the Achilles heel, as you put
0: it. Yes, um, I do like this. Speaking of um, *Tombs of the Blind Dead*, I just want to point out, for, uh, just because I'm very excited about it, I was at the the thrift store and I found uh, on vinyl a deluxe edition of *Hooded Menace*, which is a Finnish oh. doom band, uh, a doom death metal band that takes all their iconography from *Tombs of the Blind Dead*. Uh, and they do songs about tombs of the blind Dead. And I was very excited to find it. Uh, anyways, that's neither here nor there because after this library scene, and it's almost like clown, you know how like a clown or like they're just like the ancient myth of the clown changed over time. They do the same thing with this, except they're like clowns have been part of our world for this, and it's like all wood etchings of people being clowns and stuff like that. And I love like, I love this ridiculous notion that horror keeps going back to that clowns are some like ancient perversion of some kind of horrible dark truth uh but i will say some of the fucking clowns in this clown illuminati look fucking creepy there's like one that's like i think it's a woman or something like that and her outfit is a bunch of whites and deep purples and shit like that and i was like man i gotta hand it to you that is a very fucking creepy clown outfit like, you look fucking menacing. I would not think you were there to entertain children at all.
1: When me and my sister were young, our our matching Halloween outfits were clowns. And they're nothing like a clown. When you think of clowns, you usually think of, like, primary colors and multicolor wigs and big red noses or whatever. Yeah. But we were more of, like, what do you call those little dudes? Those little perro? Harlequin face. Yes,
0: yeah, so the Poliachi, the tragic clown. I was a Poreo. I was like, you got me thinking about uh, the Pink Panther, and I was like, yeah, the tragic clown. No. Um... <laughs>
1: so those little Harlequin clowns. So it's a Poliachi, you say?
0: Yeah, Poliachi, the tragic clown. It was a. It was. Um, it's an opera thing. Like, uh, very cool.
1: That's what my mother dressed us up as, but the outfits mm-hmm. were a uh, brown and gold stripes, and they were a puffy. So we had like they were, they were elasticized that are like. Uh, ankles and, and wrists but puffy these big puffy voluminous mm-hmm. and the the pom-poms that we had on our fronts were pink and beige so it was this brown mm-hmm. and mottled sort of oldish color so when you look at old gestures and stuff in the in the colors of of a court or something like that that weren't necessarily in mm-hmm. primary colors the way that we envision them for more popular in depictions of jesters and clowns and stuff these were more like Mm. the the street clowns and beggar clowns and like a pagliacci kind of look with a harlequin makeup and we didn't have like curly hair or anything it was tucked up into pointy little hats so it was like a very different idea of a clown so taking Mm -hmm. that sort of my my first interactions with clowns were all like these Pagliacci and Harlequins not the party clowns I didn't see those or rodeo clowns until like
0: you weren't doing Bozo's Super Sunday show
1: no not at all like clowns to me were these very much more creepier and muted beings so we have that sort of thing festering in my brain as a five-year-old let's say and then and even my clown toys they were like patchwork sort of like French clowns they weren't like They were French street clowns kind of things and ragamuffin clowns, not like colorful clowns. So then that and like, yeah, the coin from clown or Pennywise and his origin stories. I love that horror tries to pretend that clowns are like this sacred thing. And then I fuse all of that with what I know of the shrine clowns and how they have Mm -hmm. the roots in Masonic Temple. So it's like, yeah, man i'm down i'm down with the clown i'm down with the clown cult i'm down with the clowns that live in the fucking graveyard in a weird cabal that have a shrine to the original clowns and have these talismans representing the clowns through time
0: you know what i was just thinking of i when you were watching or when you were talking earlier about like tombs of the blind dead i was like what the hell is she talking about? But then when I was thinking about, I was like, "Hey, Tombs of the Blind Dead. What is for those of you who don't know? We have a massive episode about it, our one hundredth. If you ever want to listen to it, but or one of our first real episodes. Yeah. But like the big thing about those is there's they're Templar zombies, they're Templar Knight zombies, and this really is like if you look up, if you want to go on YouTube, if you want to go look up on the internet, uh, Templar Knights." Uh, catacombs or caves or stuff like that—they're all over the place in the UK, and you can find these ancient places that were at some point either hidey holes or part of a of, of an interconnected uh, traveling uh, thing or whatever. Just a bunch of caves that had been dug that the Templar Knights used to use, and this clown shrine is that, isn't it?
1: It's basically a skull and bones for clowns.
0: I, because I, I was, when I was watching the movie, I was like, how's, like, are you, are you honestly trying to tell me that nobody fucking knows that this crypt is here in a fucking graveyard? Like, I didn't understand. I was like, how the fuck do you, you can't just build and dig a crypt with a big clown statue in it and leave a bunch of, like, eggs and jars, like it's a fucking, the shelf on Futurama with all the heads. So that's what it is. It's like this old, it was probably there. Even before the graveyard, the graveyard evolved into this place, but that hideaway was always there.
1: That actually makes a lot more sense, too, Uh, like knowing that most of the graveyards in Ireland are way older than the oldest grave that's in the damn graveyard, because we've built graveyards on top of graveyards and repurposed graveyards. And repurposed other Mm -hmm. shrines into graveyards since. So that makes a Mm -hmm. lot of sense, actually, that it would have existed before, because I thought that too. It seems like any other mausoleum in a way from the outside. Mm -hmm. But the graveyard itself is like old and dank and scary, and it's like perpetually stormy. And when they go there, it's like the whole mood of the story changes again into this like Mm -hmm. reverent graveyard scene. It seems shot by a different person almost. Still fitting in the movie, yeah. of course, but it does have a whole mm-hmm. different mood to it because now we're on a cloak and dagger mission into the sacrosanct clown mausoleum.
0: Yes, the notion here is you have to find the egg. One thing that I, th- I found kind of funny was if I was in Tommy's situation and I looked at that shelf of eggs I'm sure there's some that I could eliminate at face value just saying okay that's not that doesn't represent stitches that doesn't represent stitches but the one that does represent stitches I can't say for 100% even after looking stitches in his dead fucking eyes um that I would know that that particular egg was going to represent that particular
1: clown no and when he saw it in real life it was from a distance he was young it was dark there's no way he could have like imprinted on his memory what that looked like exactly and yeah it doesn't really look like him at all and it doesn't fucking say stitches on the back or i don't think they have (laughs) name plates on these like little little stands that they have these little curio protector glass globe things like these bells Mm -hmm. that they have them under so i don't think there would be any way and part of me even though i don't believe this Honestly, to my clown friends out there, I don't believe all clowns are evil. I don't even believe most clowns are evil. I don't think really, Mm -hmm. honestly, any clowns are evil, but there are those Mm -hmm. that do. So if you think all clowns are evil, you could have just fucking smashed all those eggs. Who cares about the clowns? Just smash them all.
0: Because if any one of those clowns is living unnaturally, you could only assume that they're up to no good I would assume they're up to no good because the one clown that I have met that is being kept alive via a magical egg, which is a buck wild sentence to say, I would just assume that all the clowns that are back. But, you know, I definitely get a sense from some of the clowns that the clown and Illuminati are like keepers of ancient wisdom, like you would discover them deep within a library and they would just be like some sort of like glowing soothsayer of clown knowledge, whatever that would mean.
1: How many people you can actually fit in a clown car? How many handkerchiefs and where do they go? Those sorts of important things.
0: Yeah, exactly. A lot of mystical clown secrets. The moment in which they get this egg is short-lived because old Stitches is going to be right on their tails.
1: Of course, because he has clown magic and he is super strong and super swift and he knows what they're up to, of course. Like anyone that has an Achilles heel, you know exactly where it is. So, yeah, and... He does stop them, but you know that this is short-lived as well. Stitches come up comeuppance.
0: The one thing I wanted to mention that we kind of glossed over that I genuinely, it was, again, I don't know if it was like the two monsters I was slamming to to keep me awake. Not because I thought the movie was boring, but it was just I was tired. Um The fucking chase scene on the bicycles, like that shit made me laugh so hard when you stitches is after kate and tommy they both have you know proper bikes and the only thing he can find is a tricycle and so you're immediately like i immediately had this vision of like pathetically with your knees up by your ears like trying to like i I, like tricycle forward to get to where you needed to go and i instantly had this thought where i was just like if, if you're going to ride the tricycle, you it would be faster just to run after them on foot because yeah. that tricycle is going to be way more pr- trouble than it's worth. And then, of course, like the, the, the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, he's got no trouble keeping up with this fucking uh, with these guys. He gets to a slight incline <laughs> and then he just screeches to a fucking halt. And it becomes exactly what I envisioned when someone says, oh, I'm going to chase them on this kid's tricycle going in circles and then he just slows to a fucking crawl and then he stops and he's still kind of going and then he realizes that he can't go forward anymore and he's like for fuck's sake that was genuinely very funny to me
1: it was it was because he got this like blend of crusty the clown or something and then you have a tricycle scene in terrifier as well which is very very creepy but always funny because you put a grown man on a tricycle it's instantly ludicrous And he would, yeah, be further ahead by grabbing the tricycle, running after them and throwing at it, trying to, like, trip one of them up by doing that.
0: (laughs) It was very good. Um, One thing that I I think is interesting is um, they fall back, these uh, Dublin teens. I don't even know if this is. I know that parts of it were shot in Dublin. I don't know if these kids are supposed to be from Dublin. They're Irish. These Irish kids, they fall back on some old timey kid pranks to to really get the drop on. Well, That's what they killed Stitches with. But like even like, you know, Paul was doing the old like ball behind the legs while someone pushes you and you fall over. I was like, man, like that's taking me back to like the ultimate kid pranks where you could like trip somebody up, make them fall or some shit like that. Because miraculously, when it seems as though Stitches is going to kill Kate, and he actually has like um, a line that reminded me of the Zodiac killer where the, you know, remember the Zodiac killer came up on those people in the park
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we're going to kill two people. And the guy said like, don't kill, like kill me first. Cause I don't want to watch you kill my girlfriend. Basically. This is, Like, Stitches delivers a line that's genuinely threatening and creepy where he was like, what's funnier? I kill you and she has to watch or I kill her and you have to watch. And I was like, man, you know what? I like that. That was very good. Um, Very menacing, very chilling. Um, And it makes the payoff of like the miraculous uh, Vinny is still there. So they got their his 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 true best friend. Is uh, the 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 only other person, but probably Bulger as well, uh, who like Tommy actually wanted at his birthday party, mm-hmm. managed to survive, and um, uh, they get stitches with the same thing, and I was so convinced that stitches was gonna like kill Vinny as he was doing that, like you were just gonna see like like he was gonna step back and stomp on Vinny's head, or he was going to do something to like graphically and quickly kill Vinny, but no. The fucking same goddamn trick worked on stitches twice. Yep.
1: Yeah, While well, he's trying to decide which one in a most menacing manner to kill between Kate and Tommy, Vinny not only ties his laces together in the exact same way that he did as a kid, he gives the thumbs up symbol the same way that he did as a kid.
0: And it rolls away. Hilarious. <laughs> it was so good. And that basically results in. Fucking the stitches falling over. You know what we forgot to mention? His fucking clown nose, like this magical bouncing clown nose that he's got everywhere that the cat's constantly playing with. And the fact that he like fucking murders that cat.
1: Yeah. Cause the nose knows he can take his nose off and send it to go and watch out sort of like a, like a crow or a raven that belongs to a wizard <laughs> or like it. And it sort of behaves sort of like one of the puppets. Yeah from Puppet Master in a way. It's it's very weird. And we don't get quite enough of this nose. But yeah, it, it is another comical yeah. and cartoonish angle to this.
0: It says clown familiar. It really is.
1: Clown familiar. This is getting to be more and more occult as we discuss it. I, I, like, I knew it was to a certain extent and I, that's part of what I loved about this. But yeah, it's getting more and more wizardy. It is. So the one thing that does not survive the two laces being tied together, is the egg.
0: Mm-hmm. The nose does try to protect it a little bit. Like, like the nose land, like seems to cushion the fall, but it eventually does break. And when the egg breaks, what was happening to um, Stitches took me way too long to figure out, where I was sitting there watching him, like, erupt into yellow goo and... And and uh and all that shit and falling apart. And I was like, what? What is why is he full of yellow shit? And I I I literally said out loud to no one in particular, because um my partner had kind of given up on the movie and went to bed. <laughs> but um, I was just like, is that embalming fluid? Like, what the fuck is coming out of him? And then I was like, Oh, it's an egg, he's an egg, he's a bad egg. I was like oh i felt so stupid so fucking dumb because it it, again like it was by the time he was already in pieces that i was like oh he's an egg it's egg and like whipped cream or something like that or like frothy egg guts like
1: meringue he's turned into meringue it's meringue
0: (laughs) but uh so that is how he meets his end and then happy times. I will say that uh, I'm glad that Tommy's mother decided to move. Uh, it seems like that house has got too much fucking death and murder in it. I couldn't imagine like causing someone to die in my. I'm thinking about like living back on Alta Vista Drive, and there I am, and I've caused somebody to die, and then I have to look at the same dishwasher every single day as I watched a man like bleed out on my kitchen floor. And my mom, my parents would just be like, "Nah, we're not moving. This is fine. You can you can handle that." But I was like, "Who want like a guy died here in front of us? Like I don't want to live here anymore." Um, this time she's like, "All right, a guy died in front of you, but it was an accident. I'm not moving. This house is expensive." And then it only took like six more people dying in the house <laughs> years later, and they're like, "All right, we'll move."
1: For her to move down the road, it's walking yeah. distance yet again. That was what I wasn't
0: clear about because I I was like. Wait, how far are they fucking moving? But then I was like, because they're in the treehouse, and Kate and them, uh, Kate and Tommy have, um, you know, made their relationship official. So they're going out, going steady, as my grandparents might say. And the the she doesn't seem too broken up about it uh, is what was what I noticed. And then I got the sense I was like, well, wait a second. Like, even if he was moving to the other side of Ireland, I mean, it's not that far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's... you can get there in an hour or a couple hours but no they're literally moving down the road mm-hmm. which could be the next house over you know yeah because they're like not totally isolated in this area but the the, the neighbors aren't apparent or right next door they're across the road or like a half kilometer away or something. Mm-hmm. So they're not moving very far. And he can still see the graveyard through his telescope mm-hmm. where they've moved. So he's safe, I suppose. But it's a
0: little farther because uh, Kate does get him a brand new telescope. It's a nice one, it looks like. So that's very fun. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. going to have like that that nerdy little like 10-year-old boy telescope. He's going to have a big boy telescope that he can really see her titties with.
1: Now it's good that he has a telescope to keep an eye on the graveyard. Why? You ask? Because deep underneath the graveyard in the catacombs of the clown cabal, the Motley Fool is slowly piecing together Stitch's egg.
0: While getting a blowjob like it's a fucking National Lampoons movie or like fucking Police Academy, I was like, what is this?
1: I know, right? It does speak to a Stitches 2. So far, I have not seen any mention of a Stitches 2. I'd love to see a Stitches 2. I would watch Stitches 2. I don't care if it, you know, isn't like 100% of the same DNA here. But I would like to see a Stitches 2. I like Stitches.
0: It reminds me a little bit of the uh, the Onryu... particularly the, the, the very nasty revenge-based uh, Japanese spirits, the thing that a lot of those Japanese ghost movies get wrong is the fact that those ghosts are reserved for specific acts of revenge. And when everyone that has wronged them in life has died, they will dissipate, they will move on to the uh, everlasting afterlife. So perhaps Stitches couldn't even be rested until everyone at that original kids party was murdered. Which means he's got three more to do. Kate, Mm -hmm. Vinny, Tommy. So I don't know if you could do a Stitches 2 without also bringing back all of those characters. I mean, they they didn't explicitly say he was a revenge being spirit or whatever. He seems to just be, but he seemed very single-minded when he was resurrected. He was resurrected in the graveyard, not far from where Tommy lived and he seemed to only be interested in killing people that were associated with that original party. So I don't know, but there's work. There's more work for Stitches to do, so they could easily do a sequel if they wanted.
1: He could probably mentor another clown in the same position because, I mean, this is setting a precedent. Is this what happens when a clown dies? Do they come back if they were unjustly murdered or accidentally killed or have anyone to seek revenge on? Is this what clowns do? I'm
0: sure if you ask certain uh, swaths of the population, they'll say, yes, all clowns are going to kill you eventually. Hmm.
1: I can believe it. I can believe it. So what is it that we have coming up next?
0: Oh, man. I'm, I'm doing two things. We're watching Ginger Snaps next. Is that correct?
1: We are watching Ginger Snaps because this is, like you said, Canadian Thanksgiving. I'm going to put a turkey in the oven shortly here myself. And... Then we're going to be talking Halloween entirely. Mm -hmm. So Ginger Snaps was a decent choice. Yeah.
0: Ginger Snaps is very interesting and also a choice that I never thought that we would get to because I had remembered your feelings on this film which you said have changed over the years. But originally, if you were to say like, like, oh, does Lydia like ginger snaps? I'm like, I don't think so. Like, I've never heard her say anything nice about it. So, <laughs> so, uh, and and so when you were just like, when you suggested ginger snaps, I was just like, whoa, very interesting. Very interesting.
1: I've rewatched it recently. I'll watch it again for the show mm-hmm. in the coming week. Um, and I have some some notes, of course, but it is, very um seasonal and it is a how um it is a werewolf movie and Mm -hmm. we don't get enough of those there aren't enough of them in the world there's not enough Mm -hmm. good ones in the world i had really disliked this when it came out and from then even now to a certain extent i don't really understand why people love it so 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 much but mm-hmm. there's also the aspect that it is Canadian and we don't have enough of those movies that are good in the world either. So mm-hmm. having all of these sort of things that it's, that it's doing that we need to celebrate, I I wanted to give it another chance by watching it again. So we'll give it an even bigger another chance by talking about it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I have not seen Ginger Snaps, the original Ginger Snaps, since it first came out. So it'd be cool to see it again.
1: It's aged pretty well, I, I will say. Not only because I suddenly don't mind it quite as much, almost like it, I almost like it again. <laughs> but no, it's it's a it's still a very solid film.
0: And this is going to be our most solid of outros. I'm Last Night,
1: and I'm Typical Lydia,
0: and you've been listening to Dead Air.